0: What's up? It's Kareem Kareem from San Pablo Burgos in Spain, and you're tuned in to the BBL Show. This
1: is Gareth Murray, player coach from the Glasgow Rocks. You're now tuned in to the BBL Show. This is Andy Thompson. You're now tuned in to the BBL Show. This is Anthony Rowe, and you're now tuned in to the BBL Show. This is Mike Tuck from the Sheffield Sharks. You're now tuned in to the BBL Show. Yo,
2: yo, yo, what's going on? It's Kofi Josephs, and you're listening to the BBL Show. This is Ashley Hamilton,
0: a.k.a. AGP. Of the Plymouth Raiders, and you're now tuned into the BBL show.
3: And now, your hosts, Jay Marriott and Drew Lasker. Welcome, welcome to episode
2: 11 of the BBL show. I'm Jay Marriott, he is Drew Lasker. Happy belated birthday, Mr. Lasker. Closing into the 40 Club with myself. How has your week been?
4: Man, it's been great. A great birthday. But this weekend, I feel a little bit exhausted. I've been moving all weekend, so I want to give a big shout-out to the wife because she's allowing you to borrow me for an hour tonight. So, <laughs> Congrats on moving
2: into the house. That's got to be
4: a good feeling. Yeah, man. It's, it's a, actually a really good feeling. Just because you would know, Jay, probably some of our listeners would know, but in this business that we're in uh, as a professional Basketball player, specifically here in the BBL, the one thing that's it's really tough to find stability because you know most of us, ninety-nine percent of the guys in this league are on year-to-year contracts, and it's even tougher when you're married because you know your wife, you know, they just want stability. They just want to be able to plan, and this business is tough to plan. So, a proud moment for the Alaskas for sure.
2: No, it's great. I'm really pleased for you guys, and uh, it, it looks amazing. Look, it's week four of the BBL season. A few uh, games away from closing out these group stages of the cup competition, we have our game of the week: London Lions versus Leicester Riders. We review a fantastic week of BBL Cup action. We go to the land of the giants. New owner Jamie Edwards and new star Sam Cassell Jr. talk all things Manchester with us. We hear the ever educational Latka look back. But first. Drum roll please, it's the Marriott Minute, the segment I use to review anything and everything I'm seeing on the socials that have intrigued me, engaged me or amused me. Um, first of all, the results are in, the Twitter results that is, Josh McSwigan is officially mcswaggin now here on the show winning the twitter vote 59 percent to 41 percent a little bit closer than i thought it was going to be commiserations Niall gray thank you so much for your shout out um in your commentary the other day but sadly uh you are the loser and great job to former riders jay kuznard okay intrigued me Twitter right now is alive with BBL. We've had a great week. Everyone engaging with everyone, views, talking points. Everyone just keep it going. Every week it just gets better. As we always say, as long as it's respectful, bring those talking points to life. Even players jumping on there, which is great to see. There is always that dark corner where the haters hang out. When I was a player, we used to say they are over there drinking their Sappuccinos because they want to suck the life out of you, but even they are just a little bit fun. Engage me. With Sky Sports on the horizon, it's been great watching the club's efforts to bring us live games. We can't have fans right now, much to Drew just finding out last week, but we cannot have fans into the building, so they are trying their best. Joel and the Flyers boys, head and shoulders above everyone else, but Surrey making a big effort, as of Eagles Raiders, Lions Riders, everyone really, at different levels, but they are all trying. Amused me. Perth Raiders Foxy, again, drop one of the interviews of the season, especially when asked about the return of Martel Macklemore, whom he pantsed a number of years ago, simply replying by pulling up his shorts and running off. Very funny indeed. Marto has said since then they have kissed and made up. They are all friends now. Keep up the good work, everyone who is covering the BBL. We appreciate you all. And that is the end of the Marriott Minute. Okay, game of the week time. London Lions hosting the Leicester Riders. After running riot on the Lions last week, Lions gained revenge in a 98-89 win.
4: Yes, and a great win for the London Lions. But let's head over to the Copper Box as we have our guy, Dizzy Reels down there live for post-game reactions from Coach Pastranastro and Coach Vince. Dizzy, we send it to you.
1: Great win tonight, Coach. It just seems like you guys are rolling in and having a nice group. You finish off the cup with a win at Shelfield. What would be the approach to that game? Uh, well, no, this is, we've, we've played all our games now in the, in the group. Um, So I think we've won three games, we beat Leicester today, we beat Newcastle the other day and Sheffield here. So we're three and three. So, and I think we have the head-to-head on Newcastle and we have the head-to-head on Sheffield. So it's unlikely that we can get beat now uh, to get through. I'm not sure who the other three will be. I think Leicester will probably get through, um, and I think depending what happens to the Newcastle Sheffield game, I think that will decide who gets through on that group. But for us, you know, it was um, a great effort. It's taken us a while to get going. As I said, you know, we're not crying about injuries and all that kind of stuff. You know, we're all grown men and just got to work hard. This is a tough group. They really. It really had it in for all of us and put, you know, some of the tougher teams in the same group. But we're delighted to be able to find some form, get out there. We've got a new player trying to bed in. We've got injuries trying to recover in Faro and, um, and Joshua Hibbert. So hopefully as we get along, we'll get stronger. Yeah. You guys look like you've viewed the momentum from the huge victory at Newcastle. Are things beginning to click? Yeah, things are coming together because, you know, we have a lot of guys there who have huge experience playing at a high level. Um, The BBL is different. You know, people underestimate the BBL. The BBL is a tougher league and there's a way in which you have to win in the BBL. Um, Winning in Europe and winning the NBA is not the same as winning in the BBL. So how can you guys keep this momentum going? Well, we just wish there was no GB break I and mean, we go straight into another game this week. Um, but actually, you know, it's a two-two in the weekend, so we just got to recover, um, work on the things that we didn't do quite right here. I mean, this wasn't a hundred percent game. We allowed them to get 89. That's a team we should keep under 80. Um, so we've got some work to do. Thank you very much, coach. Thank you game tonight, Coach? What did things go wrong for you guys tonight? Yeah, I thought we turned the ball over early. I thought the first
3: half is where we really, uh, were, you know, made trouble for ourselves by turning the basketball over and, you know, we knew that this is a long weekend for us, we played Friday on the road, coming down here on the road again, we knew we had to be solid and, and, and smart and I thought in the first half the turnovers really hurt us. But when you, when you come right down to it, they had 14 threes today, and um, if they're going to shoot the ball like that on the perimeter, they got a nice, nice few bounces off the glass a couple times, they're going to be tough to beat. They got a lot of players, and I thought, you know, as the game went on, maybe their depth uh, shown a little bit. You know, we get to that fourth quarter, and they're playing a lot of guys. We're playing seven. I thought that, that maybe it uh, it affected us, but they're a good team, and I think it's going to be tough. I mean, the only game they lost down here was a, a, a buzzer beater that sent them into overtime, so it'll be tough to beat down here but I give my guys credit you know we're, we're battling we got a lot of guys banged up but we never quit, you know, we could have could have quit early, but we didn't, but we're gonna have to be better um, and we will get better. But, um, you know, so far in the competition, we've done pretty well, we're three and two, we've got a foot in the door, so we'll see what happens. That's been the goal from the beginning to to qualify and get through the competition.
1: So how do you guys plan to bounce back, to back as you finish the cup competition? Rest, we're gonna, at
3: home. Yeah, we're gonna rest here now. I think, you know, we played four games in nine days here and we got a lot of guys uh, that are banged up that played today too, so. Uh, The the most important thing is rest. Um, You know, we lost two guys with Raheem and and Mo, so let's see what happens with our roster. Uh, You know, we certainly could could use a a couple more players, uh, but I love the way these guys compete. I love the way these guys stay together. Um, Just got to be smarter and take care of the ball better. Thank you very much. Thanks, guys. Thank you.
4: Dizzy Reels, we appreciate you, young fella. Good work down there in London, my guy. But as we go into this game, obviously, I'm going to cover uh, Lester. Jay, you take on London. And, and watching this game, I felt like Lester got off to a slow start, um, which was surprising because, you know, they've been rolling, and that could be a number of things. The games are starting to catch up. It's a 2.30 tip, and, you know, that's on a Sunday. That's a really early road trip for those guys. But I felt like as the game progressed, they actually start to look a little bit better when they sped the game up. They went to their bench. They brought on their usual suspects, Connor Washington and Jamel. And they had a little bit more defensive intensity about them. They got a little bit more scrappy. And actually, you know, they kept knocking on the door, getting back in the game. But I think the number one area where they were let down was fatigue. And obviously, you know, their team has been devastated this year with injuries already, and the season has barely started. So they ran out of a little bit of gas and missing Mo Walker. And it was just announced today that Mo Walker's out for the year with the hamstring. And then uh, so Raheem, May- yeah, tough. I feel sorry for that guy because that's two years on a trot that he's dealing with the hamstring. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And then we got Raheem May Thompson, who's out with an Achilles, which is a tough injury to bounce back from. So well wishes to both of those guys. You never want to see anybody go down like that. But, you know, it's going to be tough for Leicester. And the reason that it's going to be tough is because both of those guys are British. You know, usually if they were American, you would just kind of bring in a couple of Americans. But, you know, replacing that kind of quality as a Brit is going to be tough for those guys. So I just felt like they kind of ran ran out of gas. But at the end, nothing's lost. You know, this is the group of death and everyone has two losses. I mean, London sitting on three and Leicester won the tie break. So I think nothing was really lost in this game.
2: Yeah, I think they'll be relatively relaxed. Like you said, I think fatigue was a big, big factor. London Lions, look, back-to-back impressive performances. I said it before the game tip, I have to see it being done back-to-back before we start building the hype again. And they did just that. Has Vince figured it out? Body language, different. Intensity, different. Big-time players, different. You know, Justin Robinson, 19 points tonight. Still a little bit concerned about the assists, just three assists in that game. Dirk Williams showing out 20 points, Liggins 26 points, five rebounds, six steals. The man is an octopus. (laughs) I think we've got to bear in mind that Leicester stayed in the game. And if you look statistically, Leicester looked like they had one of their worst nights so far in the cup competition, especially from the three-point line everything seemed to be dropping for London so maybe that's a little bit concerning that they weren't able to pull away so much but they didn't get to the line much you know so 6-3 pros i don't know whether that's the referees decided to swallow their whistles or whether they just weren't aggressive enough but i struggled to feel that way you know when they were 55 percent from the field 57 percent in the paint they were attacking so that was interesting to me I think the difference was the first half. You know, they came out and they forced riders into a hole, and like you said, they kept fighting back. They kept scrapping, and I think that's the one thing that Coach P will walk away from and say, "Hey, we got battle-tested tonight, and those guys stood up and tried to take the fight back to those guys." I still worry a little bit inside. Maybe Parker is going to be the guy that fixes that. Talia just looked so much more aggressive. Yes, um, and. And showing a little post-game that we we hadn't seen up until these last two games. So, um, you know, it was good seeing him be really, really aggressive. Okura, I think, is a tough one. I think he definitely is a shot-changer. Big difference, but does slow them down. So there's a positive negative with him right there. But I'm sure that they will figure those things out. But really, that was pretty much it for me. You know, two wins. Impressive win against you guys and then taking it back to London and and being able to take the win against the Riders, that sure does suggest that perhaps they shook off whatever was weighing them down for this good period of time.
4: Yeah. And I mean, we got to give credit where credit is due. Me and including yourself, we've been hard on the London Lions and rightfully so. But when they play like this is the team that we were expecting. So a lot of credit from the BBL show to the London Lions, coach Vince, everybody within that team, a great, great weekend for those guys. But, again, as I go back to Leicester and I look at the numbers, there's really nothing that stands out. I mean, Leicester would probably walk away from this game. You know, it's just one of those games that you just, you just move on from. I mean, looking at the numbers, they shot 31 free throws. I mean, the difference is, you know, they shot 41% as opposed to 48% when they played London last week. And then, you know, seven for 24 from the three. But most of those were great looks. I think, you know, it's going to be hard to penetrate that interior defense of the London Lions. So in order to beat them from any team in the league, you got to be able to make those jump shots outside unless they didn't get it done tonight. And, you know, I look at the assist. They had 25 assists, which says they were moving the ball. And the rebounding war, they were just out-rebounded by a couple, whereas last game, they out-rebounded London by 11. And so maybe that was the difference, but, you know, there's nothing in the stats that really jump out. I think Leicester move on and, you know, tough game on the road and, you know, the group of death, you're going to take some bumps.
2: Absolutely. Comparable stats all all across the board, like you said. And I I think there's a couple things there, the three-point shooting that does lean and suggest towards uh, just a little bit of fatigue. But this group of death sure has been entertaining, sure has been exciting, it's been great to watch, that's for sure. And, um, you know, I, I think we did a pretty good job, pat ourselves on the back, for picking that one as the game of the week. We need to look back and find that Crandale dunk. That was impressive. You know, there's a lot of dunks this, this week, a lot of really nice dunks this week. But the little point guard, sneaking one over the top impressive. on the break. I want to see it. Okay, right, reviewing the week. We're going to do things a little bit different. We're going to work through it by club rather than game. We're trying to be a little bit more efficient, give a little bit more time to each club. And we feel like this is a good space for us to have a little experiment. So please let us know which one you're kind of liking. Do you like the game by game? Do you like the club breakdown? But let's jump in.
4: In this new style that we experiment with today, obviously, I'm going to take on the Newcastle Eagles first as they started off the week on a Tuesday night against the Sheffield Sharks. And let me tell you, it was really, really weird playing on a Tuesday night. If you think it's already like the environment is already weird with no fans, like the game being on a Tuesday just felt so strange. But I think for the league, it was a game every day from Tuesday to Sunday, and I kind of like that. I so, loved it. Yeah, it was awesome. So as players, we will quickly adapt if that means more action during the week. But leading up to this game, Coach Mack really turned our attention to the defensive side of the ball. It started in the film room, we really focused on that. And then it translated to the practice floor. And I think we were able to translate that into the game as I saw some potential for my Eagles as we I felt like we kind of smothered them in the first half defensively and sh- and, and showed some real promise on that side of the ball which is important cuz the style that we want to play an up and down style it basically comes down to a make or miss league so those games when we're cold from the perimeter we got to have something that we hang our hat on so it was really great to see that we can get it done on that end and in the second half like any other team we kind of let our foot off the gas that's a game that we could easily won by 20 but You know, it's tough. Like, it's it's just a natural human reaction. You're up big, and you just kind of slightly take your foot off. The other team gets some momentum. They're playing desperate, and they always make a run, which Sheffield did, to close the gap to 10. But we move on to Friday night, which made a three games in seven days for the Newcastle Eagles, and I think that was really evident as we shot three for 26 from the three-point line, which is very unusual for us, and – You know, I woke up Saturday morning and I only played seven minutes and I felt exhausted. So I can imagine what some of my teammates felt that played in the high 30s after three games in such a short period. But credit to the London Lions. And I think Dave Forrester touched on this on Twitter, that they came up to Newcastle the day before. And those road trips like that, staying in a hotel. And the one thing that we talked about with London is we felt like there was a disconnect. And maybe staying in a hotel, eating together as a team kind of brought a little bit of camaraderie because on the floor, like, I felt like they were connected like we've never seen this year. They were all communicating with one another, and it just felt like a good energy from their side. And for us, they just took advantage of it. I felt like the only bright spot was Darius Defoe coming off the bench. He really brought a lot of energy from the bench. And with Rex Luger being out for a concussion protocol, our bench was shortened as Louis Sayers was put in the starting lineup, so that left us with a short bench. And for Eddie and myself, you know, a combined zero points and three rebounds. And not that our play is going to be predicated on numbers, but it's going to be predicated on impact. So for Eddie, he has to constantly be a threat from the three-point line. And for me, I have to make energy impact plays. And I felt like neither one of us got it done. So credit to London as they took the victory. And that closed out
2: the Newcastle Eagles week. Yeah, no, I think probably very similar story to the Riders. Just, you, you guys just looked a little bit fatigued, and that just showed in the three-point line, which ultimately, your style, the way that you play, is live by the three, die by the three. Okay, some charts. Good. Underperforming, so both losses followed a very similar trend. So I don't have to go too far off the path to cover both games Pre-season and that early Lions win led us to believe that this was going to be a really solid, really impressive Sharks team. Now, let's not be too hard. They're in the group of death, remember. You know, they've got some tough games. There's some other teams out there, perhaps looking impressive but untested. You know, so they're going through the fire right now. For me, I just think they are struggling offensively. You know, so I think Coach Lyons has them defensively pretty good, but for where he needs to get them, that's never going to work for those teams you're playing in the group of death. You know, you've got Nicholas Lewis, is struggling to lead the way offensively. I pretty much think that he is the guy that's going to be setting the tone. Lillard, very up and down. Cook, very up and down. Kipper, very up and down. And a big stat that I pulled out on a player that is a bit of a mystery to me. Maybe it's just a bit of a time thing. Callum Jones, you know, he got 20 minutes under his belt the other day. Zero points, zero assist in 20 minutes for a top British guy. So really kind of interesting, maybe some work to be done there. I think the question you've got to ask yourself, you are the Sharks, if you're Coach Lions right now, is you probably look like anywhere between 5th to 8 that's what you look like. So you're going to come across those bigger teams, probably not going to be able to compete because you just don't have the firepower. Or every so often you're going to find the firepower and that's going to propel you to some good games. But you're probably going to beat those guys that are in and around you or below you. So it's really a, a bit of a stick or twist situation. Are you happy with that kind of consistency and you hope that gives you a little bit of a run, maybe in the trophy when that comes up? They do love a cup, the Sheffield Sharks. Or do you look to make some changes? You know, I'm, I'm not a fan of that. I've been forced and burned on that before in my own coaching career. Maybe not quite the answer. But if Coach Lyons feels like that's the direction it's going in, maybe that's what he needs to do. But um, like I said, not too hard on them. It's the group of death. You know, these are arguably the three best teams in the league you're going up against. And that might serve them well on league time.
4: Yeah, I agree. For Sheffield, this is going to shape them for the rest of the season. And if I move on to the Bristol Flyers, I feel like they're in a kind of similar situation as Sheffield. And they had a Thursday night home game against the Worcester Wolves, where this was pretty much a win or go home situation for Bristol. As we all know, they had to forfeit two games due to COVID. And listening to Andreas game you can hear the disappointment as they took a 69 64 loss to the Wolves in a game which they were in control of most of the game and just kind of let it slip there in the end as NBA and Jordan Williams just kind of punched it down low to close out the game. But a couple of points that kind of stand out to me as I kind of look over this game is they started off the game fast, 28 points in the first quarter, and I'm sitting there watching like maybe they saw the Dan Routledge tweet about the home scoring woes. And then they finish up the next three quarters by scoring a total of 36 points, which again, they finished the game with 64 points, which again at home, it puts them under 70 where they're an all time sixth worst at scoring under 70 points at home. So it's very disappointing. And Teddy Okafor, you can tell that he makes a difference for that team. Like Mm -hmm. he looks like a sharp European guard, but the thing that he's going to have to learn in a hurry that, This isn't Europe. This is the BBL, a totally different style. And from that point guard position, you got to be more aggressive. Most of the time when he's coming off that point guard, he's trying to string that big out to get it to shooters. But sometimes he has to look to split, turn the corner, look for some scoring opportunities for himself like a Ramon Fletcher or a Justin Robinson. That's what's going to open it up for Bristol, and that's what's going to help them. And lastly, if we focus on the preseason, we thought it was going to be all about Copeland. But as we're seeing, as he got off to a flying start, and now that the season's starting, he's kind of struggling a little bit. And Lockett has been the shining star for Bristol. And I love the way he plays because he doesn't necessarily need the ball. It's all off of energy plays. And I feel like Bristol needs to take more on his identity and follow his lead, play scrappy, play faster, and take on Lockett's identity. And I feel like they'll be much better off moving
2: forward. Yeah, definitely. Just to feed off a couple of those points, if you look at Okorufo, when they played against the Raiders, he didn't need to be so aggressive because you had Lockett and Copeland kind of come to the party and do what they needed to do. Obviously, then Copeland struggling, I think, 3-16 or against the Wolves. You needed that little bit more from Teddy. And like you said, you just saw that really polished Euro game instead of maybe trying to take over a little bit. So Mike need to make that adjustment. Lockett, the one thing I'm noticing with that situation he is he is straight up battery. You know, he oh, yeah. is real energy. He wants to play quick. But you know what I'm noticing is that the team just don't tend to go with him. So just when you think there's a run in them a couple of fast breaks, it's looking exciting, Breaks get put on and it kind of pulls back. And I don't think that that necessarily plays into Lockett's game. Maybe it doesn't play into Copeland's game. So maybe speeding things up just a touch. But, hey, I've got every faith that Coach Andreas will figure that out. Whilst we're on the subject of the Worcester Wolves, a good start in a decent group, you know. So um, I think it's a good group to be in. There's enough of a test in there for you to move on in the cup competitions. Not as crazy as the group of death. One game this week, a couple of things that I noted was still imports to add to this team. Now, that for me gets me pretty excited for where I've put myself in the predictions. And I'm even tempted to say, am I choosing a little bit low? I will tell. Obviously, positive, out not only uh, has he probably got the freshest sneakers in the league, he also brought his game. I really wanted to, to sort of tweet out and get people focused on his shoes, but by the time I looked up the spelling of, it, of his name to go on Twitter, it kind of would have ruined the moment. He's um, been playing well. Yeah, Boutnick and Williams are the best, you know, one of the best uh, one-two punches right now at the start of this season. McSwaggin is a really nice additional piece, lovely shooter of the ball, works really, really hard just fits the system really nicely. And obviously in that game against Bristol, we saw in the fourth quarter, you know, NBA turned the switch to win the party and it became not just the, the deadly duo, it became the terrible three that got involved and ended up taking the win. Beast mode. Beast mode, absolutely. I will say Johnson Thompson, I think, is an unsung hero within that system. You know, so there was a little bit of a time where I think NBA was maybe being a little touch casual and they go to the young fella and he comes in and, you know, he's never going to jump out on the stats or anything else like that. But he just helps that offense flow. So I will give him a shout out because it's, you know, it's probably impossible for him to get a shout out on things like Player of the Week and stuff like that because that just isn't going to be his role. A couple of negatives. I think they're really struggling in the pick and roll. I'm watching their guards. They're getting pinned a ton. And, um, you know, there were a couple of people that kind of challenged me and were, were thinking that might have been a, a Matt newbie tactic down the stretch. It was kind of weird to me. Bristol decided to to ride on Copeland instead of Lockett and then go into that high pick and roll. But even with him being 3 of 16, I think he had two open 15-footers and then one miss assignment where he was wide open from the three. Mm-hmm. If I gambled that sort of... Nine times out of ten, I think that i probably come off worse in that situation. So got to be a little bit careful there. Rebounding is a concerning stat, but I felt like when the going got tough in that fourth, you know, NBA and Jordan Williams held it down when they needed to, it did look like it was going to get a little out of control at one stage. And then Mika Elan, where has he gone? You know, preseason looked absolutely great. Last two games one point and then goes for a donut against Bristol. He just seems to have disappeared, maybe a little loss of confidence. I'm not really sure what it is, but he can really shoot the ball. I think when he comes to the party as well, it's just another addition to an impressive looking Wolves.
4: And one thing that we need to give credit to is the guys that bring it night in and night out is because You guys don't understand how tough it is to be consistent at the professional level. And I've heard you say that about a couple guys, Jay. You said, you know, for Mick Swaggin, he balled out, and then the next game he comes and brings you a donut. You know, so something has to be said for guys who can consistently get those numbers every game because it's not easy. But as I move my focus to the Manchester Giants, as I I think I better be nice because we're featuring – we got Jamie Edwards and <laughs> Sam Cassell Jr. in the house later. But be calm. <laughs>
0: they, Yeah,
4: they play on a on a Wednesday night, and they take an easy 106-64 win to the COVID-unregistered Chop and Change Cheshire Phoenix. And my heart just goes out to Coach Thomas. Man, I, he – out of all the scenarios that you try to think of at, in the preseason or in the summer, I bet you he didn't think it would be like this, you know, so – I really, really hope they get things together just for Coach's own sanity and also for the league sanity because they're on Sky TV in a week and a half. So we kind of need them to be a little bit better as the first featured game on the new Sky and beat British Basketball League partnership. So I'm wishing you guys get healthy real quick, Coach. But focusing back on Manchester, you know, it's really, I don't really take much from this game for them because as I I call it, this is a fool's gold game. This is a game that you kind of get your confidence going. You kind of, you know, get your shot going and feel good about yourself individually. But, you know, a couple guys that stand out for me is Kwandi. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. That guy just has no conscience. I I really like his game. Um, He's always ready to shoot. has a nice stroke and you know, he can light it up. So Mm. I can see him hitting some big shots this season, some backbreakers. So look out for that. I really like uh, Whelan coming off the bench. He's just really smooth and just really solid. He's become a, a veteran and, you know, he's from Manchester. So he's motivated to do well and be part of this new era in Manchester. So happy for him. And then last but not least, we got our guest today, Sam Cassell Jr., who led the way with 25 points and eight rebounds. I mean, he looks the part. He looks like he's ready to lead the ship. He has the experience, the uh, NBA G League experience. So, you know, I kind of tweeted this out that it's just something that just feels right about this Manchester Giants team. You know, with the rebrand and everything they got going on, even though I don't take much from this game. But I don't feel like this is going to be the Manchester Giants of old. I feel like they're going to be right there in the middle of the pack of competing this year.
2: Yeah, I've got to say, I think uh, if I'm looking at my predictions, they are the team that I'm most worried about. A little bit concerned in that game about Hudson. you know, Hudson kind of I think he, he kind of disappeared with all those guys coming back into the mix. So I'd like him to, to stay assertive and make people know that he, he is still leading that team. I think Cassell is very much going to be seen as the off guard. The off-guard with the short shorts, that's for oh, sure. The Stockton. So I'm going to get to that question a little bit later on. I like it. I mean, it looks good. <laughs> Spencer Phoenix, you know, let's be positive with these guys. You know, I so feel for Coach Thomas. You know, he is a great coach right now. And what can he do? All he can do is he can just sit and just wait and see how things played out. Made a very, very quick change. So not, quick. Not, not sure what he saw or didn't see there in Mitchell, but brings in a, a very well-known to the Manchester Giants guy in McCall, who I think is going to be a great pickup for those guys. I do still feel like it's going to be a tough season for them, but with Ross and McCall in the backcourt, I think it's going to be pretty exciting. Still haven't seen enough of Hamilton. Hayes looks like he's struggling at the minute, but it's because he's being asked to do things that are not within his role or what he likes to do and 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 playing slightly out of position. And I'm like you. I just, I hope that they have enough time just to bring things together for that Sky Sports game. You know, it's so important that everybody shows out. And I think that if they're healthy, they've got an exciting backcourt that is certainly going to get fans or new fans off their seats, whether or not that they can move up the rankings as we predicted, both predicted them fairly low. I'm not too sure. And we
4: move on to the Surrey Scorchers who had a home and away with the uh, Plymouth Raiders who I predicted to come together and win both of these games. But boy, was I wrong as they opened up at home against Plymouth and took 84 and 73 defeats and then they headed down to the Plymouth Pavilions on Sunday where they took another defeat, 98-82. And that scoreline doesn't say at all because it didn't look great at all.
1: God and ugly.
4: A, man, and a couple of things kind of stand out to me. Is, firstly, where's Cash? Where's Cash, all uh, Injured. Oh, he's injured. Okay, so I didn't see that. I was kind of concerned yeah. about... They, they hoped
2: he would be back for the second game, but didn't make it back.
4: Okay, and it's smart for for Creon not to force it. They already automatically the only team who's been automatically qualified for the quarterfinals without actually winning a game. So sometimes you know you take, like I said, you take them how you can get them. Flex on the system. (laughs) But Macklemore looked like he's struggling to make the adjustment back to the BBL. Obviously, he played in Division One for the last couple years and was averaging plus twenty there, but the BBL for our listeners out there, it is, it is, although we had a tight affair with Solon in in the trophy finals, it is a different level, you know, so it'll take him a while to get back adjusted to the league. And then I look at the box score with white coming off the bench in that second game to have a team worse, minus 36. We got to get down on the stats because man, a minus 36, that's gotta be a top five record in the BBL. But if I really dial in to Surrey, I'm really concerned. And I've mentioned this in previous episodes. I mentioned when we had Cook on here that they had a collection of talent and it was going to take a while to gel. And then in the previous episode, as I got an opportunity to look at them, I was really worried about their personnel because they got all scores. They don't have any kind of glue guys or any kind of playmakers or everyone is a scorer. So that was going to be tough to put together. And when you got a team like that, like Surrey, who's constructed of just scores and talent, either two things happen. You have a point guard, such as a Ramon Fletcher, who will designate the pecking order. So he will dictate the pecking order. But Cashaw isn't a natural point guard. So he doesn't really have that ability to dictate that pecking order that Surrey needs. And if the point guard doesn't do it, then it's up to the coach to do. So it's up to Creon to kind of determine that pecking order. So that's something he's going to have to really look at doing moving forward with that team if they want to be successful this season. But right now, there has to be some concerns down there, especially since this team has been together since the lockdown. I mean, they had the Surrey bubble there. So, you know, camaraderie, all those things that we were concerned with London, it shouldn't be there with Surrey because they had been together so long. But luckily for them, they've qualified to the quarterfinals. So actually, in retrospect, nothing up to this point really matters anymore. So it's kind of like a fresh start. So hopefully they use this as kind of a fresh start to kind of get themselves together. But at this point, I'm a little bit worried.
2: Yeah, um, I'm just a little bit concerned. That last game just didn't look good. You know, when you see a team kind of roll over like that, I don't think that that's ever a, a good thing. Like I said, you know, Leicester didn't bring their A game today. But they scrapped and they fought and they just showed heart and they they were not gonna go down with that fight. You did not see that with Surrey and and in fact um or Creon was starting to get to the, the point where it was a little bit embarrassing. Go to my hometown team, the Plymouth Raiders. Pretty good start. They played Wednesday, Friday, Sunday. So I was a little bit worried that fatigue was gonna play a major factor. Slipped up against Bristol on Wednesday, but bounced back to get both of those games against Surrey. Where am I at with this? You know, you've still got Lawrence to add to this group, which is great. I think I've said many times Douche has done a great job holding things down. Hamilton and Neighbour are, are the guys, you know, so you, you seem to have a pecking order. I'm still... Not a hundred percent at that two guard spot yet, like uh, still want to see a little bit more from uh, Porter Bunton yeah, I'm watching on that. really impressed with Elliott's sentence. I've got to tell you that I, I just think every game that I've watched him, so if we start with like the first game, he showed some flashes, the second game, a few more flashes, a few less mistakes. Now to the point where you know last uh, today, sorry, He was the leading scorer on that team and just looked like he could get a bucket whenever he wanted. So he looks like he's settling into that role really nicely. And I think that man position could really suit him. EBay for me, very, very raw. Going to have his good nights, going to have his bad nights. Tonight, he was great. He was dunk. He was blocking everything. He was going for every board. And um, don't really like him too much in that post up. Think he's real kind of clunky. And I think that my only concern, so I'm really, I don't sound like it right now, but I'm really excited for uh, this season for these guys. I just worry at the top level. So, where I've got them in my predictions, I just worry are they going to be able to handle the speed and the pace, those teams? And just a little bit concerned that if you win the group, you're almost going to get punished because I've seen (laughs) whoever's going to finish second in the group of death. So I wasn't sure whether they were going to throw a doozy in this game, but they didn't. They came to try and win it. And like I said, so far, so good. They can only beat what's in front of them. i just like to see how they're going to do against those bigger tests. And then I think you can really start to measure things But each game they seem to be improving, just a little bit slow out the gates, but they'll always have a couple of good runs in them that have been pretty much winning those games.
4: I'll just touch on, real quick, congratulations to Coach Gareth Murray. To start the season as player coach 2-0, I don't think he could have asked for anything better. And as you would know, Jay, your first year, I remember, if I remember correctly, didn't you get your first win against us in overtime? Overtime, Donald Robinson. Yeah, yeah, what an awesome game. And for you as a coach, a first-time coach, that must have been a ton of confidence uh, moving forward. So I can assume that the same will be felt by Coach G.
2: Mm. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I really like watching them play. They really do play a good brand of basketball. He's he's coaching them up. It's obviously a, a, a team to develop. Um, I think if you look at um, some of their guys, Queenie, Van Sawyers and Pondo, they look like quite an impressive little trio. Obviously, you throw Gareth into the mix as a a player with Johnny Bunyan. You've got some nice experience there. And this game, I was really impressed with the young fella, Fraser. Just shot the lights out. But... All great shots. You know, he, he wasn't look, looking to take anything other than a great shot. And I will give Coach Murray all the credit for that. I think that that's all to do with him. Tough to tell where they're at at the moment. They haven't really been tested. Playing Cheshire tonight, it was a little bit closer than it should have been. And then going into the fourth quarter, is that because they're not talented enough? Or is it because they're playing down to the level? Very difficult to tell. So early, early days, but like you said, delighted for Coach Murray to get a couple of wins under his belt and looks like he might have quite a favourable game in the next round. So um, all coming together, it seems. Okay, let's do Player of the Week. So I picked out three performances in particular. If I start at number three, position, we had Prince eBay who came out with an index rating of 32, 19 points, eight rebounds, two assists, three blocks. Great performance. Elliot Sentence as well, you could throw in there as well. But if you're just looking at the efficiency and uh, an index rating there, Prince eBay comes in at that third slot. I then had DeAndre Liggins for his 20-point 14 rebounds, three assists, two steals, 30 index. Um, And I'm going to make a quick prediction on DeAndre Liggins.
4: Don't be surprised if they, obviously, if London get it together as a team, I wouldn't be surprised if he won MVP and defensive player of the year. On defense, he is, he's tough.
2: I'm hoping this nickname sticks, man. I've told you before, the octopus. He has got hands everywhere. And there's just something different about him at the moment. So, yeah. um, you know, I'm looking forward to see if, if that is just moving through the levels now and getting used to the BBL. But at risk of, uh, again, being called in favour of these Newcastle Eagles, but you cannot ignore the statistics. Ramon Fletcher is our player of the week with 25 points, four rebounds, 12 assists, two steals, 36 index rating. The floor general doing what he does best, aggressive and leading his team. Congratulations, Fletch. He is our player of the week. Shout out,
4: very impressive with 10 games on the schedule to come out on top for the week is impressive. Shout out to Fofo.
2: Love it, love it, love it. We will just finish here before we move on to some guests. We needed to fit in a fan's question. Chris Plant on Twitter finished by asking both of us, which teams have impressed, especially this week, and given confidence for the season ahead? And which teams do you worry for moving forward after what you've seen this week? If you go first in who's given you confidence... Who's giving me confidence after this
4: weekend? Will the real London Lions please stand up? And you listeners, you know I've been riding them hard, and and rightfully so. They deserve it with that budget, with that talent. They just weren't performing, and that's the bottom line. But if I flip the script this weekend, they look great. It looked like they just are putting things together. They look more connected. The body language looks better and the biggest standout with all that is now that the team knows is Liggins is the guy. Ware and Williams have become role players, and the team is bouncing off Liggins and off the two-time MVP, Justin Robinson, who had a great weekend. And I don't know if he listens to the show, if he's heard our criticism or my criticism over the last few weeks, but I must give credit what credit's due because that is a real professional if the league wants to go to the heights that we wanted to go with more media attention, one thing that the players is going to have to understand is that scrutiny comes with that. If you're not playing well, it's going to get called out. And he's been called out by myself, whether it's with injury or just not shooting well. And he was awesome this weekend. Um, he actually looked healthier, driving into the basket. He looked more confident. He looked stronger. So the London Lions have definitely got my attention after the weekend.
2: The swagger is back, as they say. Hello. Okay, team that's worrying me at the minute, and I don't think it would be any surprise to anyone, is the Surrey Scorchers. I think that Coach Creon has got some concerns on his hands. I think it's, it is very much about pecking order, and if they are going to move forward and if they are going to be successful as that team, as it looks now, every single one of them is going to have to succeed just a little bit. You know, they're going to have to whatever... The Lions did on that little Newcastle retreat. They need a bit of the same treatment to figure some things out. Will they be able to do it? Absolutely. They are a team of veterans. They know this league really, really well. I think if they've got the right voices saying the right things, I think they can straighten this thing out. But right now, they are concerned to me just because of the manner of this defeat tonight that I was watching, they rolled over, got their bellies tickled.
4: Yeah, it didn't look good, but come on Creon, we're cheering for you, baby, get it together.
2: Yeah, we know we can do it. Let's get rolling. Okay, moving on. Drew, lead us in. It's time for the Lasker Look Back. In this
4: episode of the Lasker Look Back, I show you the connection between the Manchester Giants, Sam Cassell Jr., in the Houston Rockets. One thing that's been constant in the Manchester Giants' history dating all the way back to the 1970s is rebranding. In the 70s, two teams came together to rebrand the Manchester Giants and Manchester United to form one club. And if we fast forward to 1992, Sam Cassell Jr. was born. The following year, his dad, Sam Cassell Sr., was drafted in the 1993 NBA draft, where in that year, he was a back-to-back NBA champion with the Houston Rockets. During that same time across the pond, the Manchester Giants were, and guessed it, rebranded and bought out and then heavily invested by an American company called The Cook Group. And where in 1995, 1996 season, they moved into the beautiful evening News arena and even had a record of 14,000 fans against the London Leopards. But after folding in 2002, they were brought back to the BBL by legend Jeff Jones in 2012 and 2013. And if we fast forward to this season, where of course where they were rebranded and made themselves real contenders, where they are led by Sam Cassell Jr. And
2: that is your Lasker Look Back. Great look back this week, Mr. Lasker, and leads us nicely to our first guest, a former England international player, a motivational speaker and coach, and now proud owner of a storied franchise trying to stand tall in the BBL once again. Let's welcome Jamie Edwards of the Manchester Giants. Jamie, welcome to the
0: show, my friend. Thank you for having me. I've um, been looking forward to coming on here.
2: Now we're most definitely uh, to... excited to have you on, that's for sure. I kind of want to start with just talking about the recent support the league has received from the government. So, for the education of the listeners, how is this going to work for you as an individual club, financially especially? You know, I think it's very intriguing for us, the things that you do know.
0: Well, I I think, first of all, it's great that the government have said that they're they're going to support the sport. Um, You know, that was needed. There's been support in other industries. There's been support for other sports. So I know historically, basketball or the community has felt that the government hasn't been as supportive as it could have been. So I think in this time of need across sport and and business, I think that, that, you know, they've stepped up. So I would say from an individual club point of view, and it's no different than any other, it's challenging. It's challenging, it's going to be challenging. So any support that we get from the government with no fans will be much appreciated.
4: And I'll just touch on that. I spoke earlier to a, uh, a source And the league doesn't have the information, all the information yet. We just know that we're getting the money. We don't know exactly if it's a grant alone. There's more information to follow.
2: Yeah, we definitely kind of intriguing to see how it works. But I think anyone would be remiss if they think that, you know, the Cavalry's here and and there's not going to be hard work ahead. But lots of excitement. We've got Sky Sports involved. You know, you've got the government grant scheme coming into place. So, you know, lots of positives, that's for sure. Jamie, how did taking over the Manchester Giants come about? Has this been in the works for a long period of time or did it happen quite quickly? You guys
0: have only got me on for 15 minutes. So um, that's, uh, did Paul not (laughs) tell you guys, you know, I can talk for five days without coming up for air? Give us the drive-through version. The drive-through version, that's right. So um, (laughs) it is a long story. I think many think that I just got off a train at Manchester Piccadilly and thought this was a good idea. My connection goes back 23 years when they were in the arena, the arena days, and not many would notice, but I'd put together a great group. Back then I was running camp and I had this vision and not too dissimilar to today's vision and, you know, didn't come about, you know, we tried two years in a row, didn't, didn't work out. And some, somehow the stars aligned and, one of my, my team, my lawyer, said to me, he said, what have you been doing for 20 years? You know, I said, I've been, been getting ready for this. So, you know, I believe coming back to Manchester right now is, I, I didn't just get off the train and think this was a good idea.
4: Yeah, as I, as I watch you guys on, on Wednesday defeat the Cheshire Phoenix, I walked away, um, even though I took the, gra- the game with a grain of salt because the things, the issues that Cheshire are dealing with at the moment, but something just feels right about the Manchester Giants right now, like the whole look, the feel, the perfect, because for me, for my own personal opinion, I think that it, what it's lacked in the past has been the professionalism with the venue and all of those things. But now it feels right. And in Alaska look back, I kind of touched on the Manchester Giants history. And one thing that stood out as I researched the team is that over the years, it's always been a rebrand. So why is this rebrand different from the ones in the past? And how important was it for you to move this team into the venue that it's in right now and just change the overall perception of the Manchester Giants?
0: Well, you know, I think people rebrand all sorts of things. And it's often, it's just a change of badge or it's, uh, you know, it's some values that they put on a, on a wall. And, and, you know, for me, guys, it was more about internally. It's about people. It's about culture. Um, and I know that that word's overused. So I kind of simplified it because someone asked me not long ago, you know, what were the three main things that you wanted to do? And the first one was to change the energy. You know, it, it's a fact I can't get away from it. You know, it's nothing to do with me, nothing to do with, it's not a people thing. The fact is, if we deal with just black and white, you guys have mentioned it recently, the club was at the bottom of the league for a decade. I can't get away from that. And unfortunately, change is not something that people or teams or organizations or players or human beings like. People don't like change. But if you want to improve something, something's got to change. And so for me, it wasn't just a visual thing. I've spent 20 years um, working with elite athletes and organizations, helping them think differently. And that was the first place. The energy of the club had to change. And that's a fact. It was nothing to do with Jamie Edwards as in, I need to come in and do it. It was just the energy of the place had to change. And when the energy changes, that was the first thing. Second thing is you've got to put legs under the table. And, you know, there was like one leg, maybe two legs, maybe three legs. There was, you know, there was some good things. This is Manchester. You know, I keep saying to people, this is, we have a big football team. We have a um, two big football teams. I better be careful which side of the city I'm talking about. <laughs> yes, seriously. So we have two, two big football teams. We have a great netball team. There's an infrastructure for big competitions. That's the city council and everything that goes on in this great city. The second biggest property growth in the country. Second after Edinburgh tourism. Lots of good things going on here. So what has to happen? You need to put legs under the table. The third thing that had to happen, people kept saying to me, if I had a pound for every time somebody said, we need to be in Bellevue. And so it was a combination of things, guys, but primarily energy. And when you talk about energy and you talk about culture, it comes down to people. And so when you talk about rebrand, it wasn't just, here's a new logo. It was actually, what does that actually mean? And it had to run deep with people Either involved or coming to be involved with, with the organization, um, notice I'm talking about organization I'm not talking about team here yeah um, because to me the team's the iceberg, and there's a lot of things that people won't see at all, and there's a lot of things that go on underneath the team just' the iceberg, big part of it, but there's a bigger part underneath so it was about people, 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 and you know those who are close. Keep hearing me say people relationships people relationships. So
2: that's kind of the idea of the show is that we we want to touch bases, you know, not just do the classic and speak to the players and stuff like that. We really want to get behind the scenes and let the listeners be able to see sometimes be able to sometimes you know sympathise if it's a tough ride. Sometimes be able to be able to go on those positive journeys when the things happening. I kind of want to talk a little bit about Coach Van. So a few people were surprised that you kept him. He is a, a fellow Janner and a cracking coach. And so for one, I was delighted that he was staying. Was the plan always to keep him on board or was there a conversation that solidified him in your plans?
0: Um, okay. The the drive-through version was I'd only heard about Danny, you know, in, in my time, I, in, you know, coming back to basketball, I had a number of people who were on my mind, but I think Phil Jackson would have struggled in this situation. So for me, it was coming in and I sat down with Danny and he he wanted to know what was going on. And I I said to him that, what I've just said, I said, Danny, Phil Jackson would have struggled in here. And I wanted to give him the opportunity to do it properly because, you know, yeah, everybody was calling for his head. Because they were thinking he was part of the previous few years, but that's not how I saw it. What I saw was you need the right tools and the right resources. And, you know, I was very impressed with his approach. It's not just him. So we talk about people, you know, he has a great relationship and great resource with, I'm going to call him our secret weapon. So they do a great job together, a fantastic job together. And it was an approach that i'm familiar with from elite sports anyway Mm -hmm. and so as soon as i heard data performance you know we're looking at things i call it the non-obvious we're looking at the things that people are not looking at Mm -hmm. as soon as i heard that we're on the same page and so it was great to hear and I go back to people, like you said, there was a lot of people who thought that was going to be the change that I was going to make. And it wasn't because I believe that with the right tools that he could be successful and and he will be. And they will be.
4: Yeah, it's great to see him get an opportunity, and if we rewind back to our preseason predictions that myself, Jay, and Andy Thompson was involved oh, reminded with. Me that, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, reminded me
0: about that, actually. Yeah, reminded me about that. Slowed up, that
2: slowed up the process, you know, he I mean, was like, oh, I don't I, know about these guys. <laughs> yeah, I
0: mean... I, I have a, a picture on my wall as well of that, so... Good. That's Hey, that's what we want. Uh-huh. That's what
4: we want. But we obviously, we have all picked you guys to finish last, so right there at last. And a lot of that is like what you talked about was about the perception. It didn't have anything to do about who you bring in. It's just you always assume that Manchester Giants is going to finish last. But, like, listening to you and watching you guys on court, I feel good about the product. And for you guys to wrap this up what would you consider a success for this season?
0: Well, first of all, I would say, expectations-wise, we are already ahead of the game because we've won two games. So we can go home now, all right? We've actually surpassed expectations. So we're not getting crazy. We've not done anything yet. We've won two games. We're supposed to win basketball games. And I've certainly not got involved with this to have a losing season. So we've surpassed expectations from the past 10, you know, previously. And going forward, it will be how we approach, not just on the basketball floor, but off the basketball floor. So the expectations go way bigger and wider than just our guys, what they do on the basketball floor. Unfortunately, COVID puts uh, some limitations on that. Um, but I would say you're going to see a different style of basketball than you have done previously. You're going to see a different energy from the team and from the group. And and I think you've started to see that. And, you know, even 15 minutes into the game at Cheshire two weeks ago, you know, I was sold. I'd seen enough to know that we were, the expectations had started to be set. But here's the thing. It's the expectations have come also from the guys internally because they want to win they want to play basketball they want to go to a different level
2: yeah i know i mean i think it's certainly exciting times I, I i love the words the very clear use of words that you're talking about changing the energy creating the culture like you said that can be an overused word but i think like you're saying is is you're making it so much bigger than the team and allowing the team to come along for that journey. I think one of the things that impresses me on the court and something that Andy Thompson brought up that he wasn't sure about is would that British group be strong enough? And I've been really impressed with Hudson and Whelan, especially on the court behind those imports.
0: Listen, I'm going to say it like this. So you're talking about behind those imports and I'm not even talking about them behind. I'm talking about them on the same level Mm -hmm. so it's not behind it's like all 10 guys going forward together and we're back to and it's 12 guys but we're metaphorically 10 and and that's what our symbol is you know that's our roman numeral 10 because it's not you've got four americans and and then the rest of them are the support cast and that's a great job that danny and tom and really what what we've brought is that this is being done together. So if you talk about the young guys who from the academies that we brought in, Whelan, you know, he's come back home. Believe me, he's hungry. Hudson, Ulf, these are guys who are, they're not behind and they're not in front. It's, um, and, and that's part of the whole package. So, and I think if, if I add this to this, what's exciting for us about this is that we are doing it together but it's also for me i'm the new guy at the table and i gotta say that the league have been fantastic you know drew i've been on the phone to paul i'm like probably on sundays he's he's like jamie edwards again but it's honestly and and the same same with russell and sarah and it's like But they've been fantastic. And that ultimately comes back to what I'm talking about with what we're doing here. People have been fantastic. The the group of guys that we have, where they'll go to, where we'll go to, who knows? But we'll do it with a certain energy.
2: Well, you're winning me over, that's for sure. I know, man. I I, I I feel (laughs) like putting on a jersey right now. (laughs) So, look, exciting times for the Giants fans and the, and the wider community. You know, we look forward to seeing how this season goes for you all. Please come and check back in with us again at a later date. We're really intrigued as to how this is building. You know, there's never enough time. I hate ending these things because I was completely locked in and bought into the, the Jamie Edwards and the Manchester Giants story. So, thanks for coming and sharing that. Thank we're you. We're for... going to be jumping over to one of your players now, but we're so thankful for your time. I know you're a busy man, Jamie. and Let's speak again soon.
0: Yeah. Thank Thanks you. Jamie. Thank you.
2: Okay, so thank you to Jamie Edwards for coming on the show. Sadly, we really were hoping to get Sam Casso Jr., but we've had some technical issues, which is a real shame coming off a great game. I really wanted to ask him the story behind the John Stocktons and of course chat a little bit about his dad and the NBA. So we will have to get him back on the show which means that we are going to ably move on to predictions. What's the
4: score, Cam? I mean, according to your Twitter feed, I think you know. I think you know. It was a little bit showboating going on. I was, I was a little bit disappointed at you, man. You went up by 10 in the first quarter, and, you, you know, you hit threes, <laughs> and you got your shotgun out. Like, it's still three <laughs> quarters to play, man. Calm down.
2: I've had a Skylar White, you know, like I've, uh, I've come out in the first game and just showing everything that I've got in the toolbox. But, um, hey, look, it's a, like I've said a couple of times now, there's a long way to go. But, you know, a good week for me, a good solid week's business. Let's get into it, starting with Worcester-Plymouth.
4: Oh, tough game. This game is at home to Worcester. And, you know, my mind's telling me Worcester, but
2: I can't bet against Plymouth again. Let's go Plymouth. Yeah, you know, I'm always going to stick with Plymouth, so we're just going to have to agree, sadly. Manchester-Glasgow, that by the way, is going to be our game of the week. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to this game in Group
4: 1, or is it Group 2? I'm getting confused on all the groups now, but I think this will be a, finally a competitive match in that group there. But sadly, the way Manchester looked on Wednesday, I, I, I got Manchester taking this by a good
2: amount. No, you know, we've just had Jamie Edwards just give us the new energy and the culture conversation, which was fantastic. I'm going to stick with Manchester right now. So no fireworks for me and you right now. Surrey Worcester?
4: Man, I'm, I'm starting to lose faith with Surrey, but it's hard for me to believe that they will go winless in this group. So Creon, come on, man, for your boy. Give me this dub, Surrey.
2: Okay, I'm going Wolves. Yeah, I think they just keep getting better. Remember, they're imported due any any minute now, so that big one's going to land on one of us in predictions week at some point. Sheffield,
4: Newcastle. I mean, we still haven't technically qualified, so this is a must-win for the Newcastle Eagles. So I'm going with the boys. Hmm. Don't you do it?
2: I okay, think I'm going to go with the Sharks on this one.
4: Nick oh. Lewis, oh.
2: Nick, sorry, Nicholas Lewis nice. is nice. due a big one so come good for me my man and then uh, glasgow manchester again
4: so they turned this one around they returned back to glasgow long trip for manchester but like you said having jamie Edwards was on here and i mean i almost wanted to ask for one of those new fresh manchester giant shirts after listening to his little pep rally so how can i go against them manchester come on
2: Staying on the Giants train, um, and I will be no different. I am going to be on that as well. So only a couple of little differences between the two of us. Hopefully, I do not live to regret that Sharks pick, but um, we've got to be different in some regard. Okay, so pretty sad that we haven't been able to get Sam Cassell Jr. on. But that's a wrap for us, episode 11. Let us know your predictions for next weekend. We're always keen to hear from you, the fans. Reach out to us on all forms of BBO socials using the hashtag, the BBO show. Interact guys, we love it. Drew, lead us out.
4: Keep it going, keep it coming. Yeah, make sure you guys tune in next week because next week we head to GB camp. So we got a special guest for you guys. So make sure you come back. And listen, but until then, we
2: sign off the show. Show, baby. Thanks for listening to The BBO Show. The BBO Show is a 21 media original podcast produced by Corey Mallory with your hosts, Jay Marriott and Drew Lasker. Keep up to date with the show by following The BBO on Twitter facebook and instagram where you can find details on future episodes events and fan interaction until next time